1: It's time to say goodbye to Hold Music and say hello to fast customer support with Service Cloud. With trusted AI and data working together, you can skip long wait times and deliver efficient, personalized service right away, all while keeping support costs low and more customers happy. Reimagine your customer support with the number one AI CRM for service. Learn what's possible at salesforce.com slash products slash service. This episode is brought to you by Clavio, the platform that powers smarter digital relationships. With Clavio, you can activate all your customer data in real time. Connect seamlessly with your customers across all channels. Guide your marketing strategy with AI-powered insights, recommendations, and automated assistance. Deliver experiences that feel individually designed at scale and grow your business faster. Power smarter digital relationships with Clavio. Learn more at klaviyo.com slash Spotify. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash Spotify.
0: I'm Jason Palmer, one of the hosts of The Intelligence, The Economist's daily current affairs podcast. The Economist's award-winning shows make sense of what matters. From our special series on China's president to our weekly podcasts on business, technology and American politics, our journalists provide fair, in-depth reporting on the events shaping the world. Search for Economist Podcasts Plus and sign up to our free one-month trial. Reboot your credit card with
1: Apple Card, the credit card created by Apple. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that you can now choose to grow in a high yield savings account that's built right into the Wallet app. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone and start growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility requirements. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Terms apply.
0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Leadership Podcast. In this HCL podcast episode, I talk with Aaron Marcus about learning to fall and fail forward. Aaron Marcus, welcome to the conversation today.
1: Thank you so much, John. I'm excited to be here.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the Chicago area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. Today, we're going to be talking about learning to fall and fail forward, um, iterative learning, uh, experimental Uh, design-based thinking as we go about how we uh, do the work in our teams and our organizations, but even in our homes and our communities. Uh, And Aaron, you have a tremendous background and expertise in this area. I'm thrilled to have a chance to talk with you as we get started. I wanted to share Aaron's background with everyone. Aaron Marcus, founder and CEO of Conquer Your Business, is a former corporate executive-turned-entrepreneur, as well as a powerlifter, animal activist, tattoo enthusiast, and five-foot badass. She has been mentoring, training, teaching, and coaching for more than 20 years and excels at helping people take action they didn't think possible, do things they didn't think they could do, and succeed beyond what they dared to dream. And I could go on and on, but I'm going to pause there. Erin, anything else you want to highlight, share with the audience um, before we dive on in?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one thing I like to point out and add, because it's something that my friends that I, I still call them friends that we talk about when we get to our uh, school reunions that are increasing in numbers, the numbers are getting up there, but the gifts we have experienced as a child that we don't know were gifts. I grew up in the Chicago public school system in the seventies and eighties and the immigration waves that were happening then. And it was different, you know, things were done differently. They just threw us all in a bucket and, you know, here, get along. And and I basically grew up with people from 22 different countries. Hmm. And you learn how to communicate with everybody, even though nobody speaks the same languages because you're kids and all you want to do is just play with each other, right? So you figure it out. And um, that whole concept of being able to communicate, being able to communicate with intent, being able to meet people where they are, wherever they are. And the odd gift that nobody having any money was because they're <laughs> right. Like I say that because if you watch the high school dramas of the eighties and, and afterwards the nineties, and even now I'm sure it's all about clicks. And when nobody has anything, you don't really have that. Right? There's, there's no, there's no clicks because nobody had anything. And the amazing, amazing, amazing gift that was when we now get back together as adults and talk about how that served us so well in our careers and how, what an anomaly it was, especially then.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, and I love kind of that diversity background that you have. Um, I can't say the same thing. You know, I, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, high school. Um, you know, I I grew up in Salem, Oregon, South, Mm -hmm. or, you know, just near Portland. And, uh, but then my family moved to rural Missouri, which was even less diverse. Yeah. Uh, and so it took me getting into my adult years before I really started to have that experience with difference. Um, that has really been enriching and enlightening to me uh, as I've gone throughout my personal life, my career, et cetera. Um, I think that's a really important foundation. I think it leads in well to our conversation today also, because when you think about, just connecting with people. When you think about working together with people and as kids, it's simple, like you're just trying to play a game. So you're just trying to figure out how to play together. And I remember I've I've traveled abroad, lived abroad. Uh, I remember there was one time, this was probably 10 or so years ago. And we, my family had moved to Minsk, Belarus. Um, So we were Eastern Europe, um, very different social political kind of landscape. Uh, My kids didn't speak Russian at all. Uh, And I think we were in the airport, our final leg of the journey flying into Minsk and we're waiting on that connection flight. Um, And there are other little kids there just waiting too. it's been a long journey for them. Everyone's tired. Um, They don't speak English. My kids are young. They don't speak Russian, but guess what? It only took a matter of a few minutes and all of a sudden they're playing together on the floor in the airport, um, communicating with each other, trying to figure things out. And they, they, don't know what they're doing. So they're messing up, right? They're messing up the rules of whatever this game is that they're having, but it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter because they're just connecting with each other in genuine ways. They're learning as they go. They're building the the plane as they fly it, so to speak. And that falling forward, failing forward, failing fast, Um, iterating rapidly uh, in how you interact with other people and not getting caught up in the failures, um, the things that don't quite work out, uh, is is a really important lesson. I think we often lose that. You know, we had that as kids and we often lose that as we grow into adults.
1: Well, because the goal wasn't to succeed. The goal was to do a thing together. It was, there was no label called failure, so they didn't worry about it. By the yeah. way, side note, um, part of my mother's family came out of that area in 1912 when they came to the United States. Um, interesting. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned some random city in the entire universe and that happens to <laughs> my family is from, from 1912. Um, but yeah, like there's no label. There's nothing that mattered right? There was nothing attached to how long did it take us to figure this out? How long did it not take us to figure this out? What was, who, what were these people going to think of me if I didn't figure it out perfectly the first time? There was nothing riding on any of it except moving forward.
0: Yeah. Which, yeah,
1: Which is what allows the children, you know, again, and we were, they sound like they were younger. We were in high school in that same situation. Like we, my high school, my, (laughs) granted it was Chicago public schools. So in accordance with Chicago public schools, my algebra class was being taught by a geography substitute teacher, which tells you a lot about my education in the, you know, that I came out of there with, but I sat in the back with Assad I still don't I don't remember his last name he was from Syria he spoke no English but he could draw really well so I spent my algebra class with Assad drawing pictures me saying what they were in English and and that was the way we passed the time because he didn't understand the teacher and I didn't care about the teacher <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so it worked out perfectly um but there was no, and I understand Like, here's the thing I understand in business, you got to make money because if you don't make money, you go out of business. And I I completely understand that. And the way that our public companies have it even worse, right? Because they're being judged by their quarterly results. So they're only allowing for short-term thinking. But if your organization, if you as a leader, if, If you don't have some aspect of your environment that allows people to fail forward, they will immediately stagnate out of fear. Like, it's really that simple.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And well, so let's talk a little bit. How do we recapture that? What we had as little kids, even in the high school, you know, you get into um, your adult years and I don't know if it's it's just the socialization. It's how society wants to churn out, you know, people who do a certain thing and you go to university and hopefully you have a, uh, you know, an exploratory period and self-discovery, et cetera. But then you go into your career and it's like, okay, now we need to, you know, it's all very goal oriented. There's nothing wrong with goal orientation. There's no, nothing wrong with purpose driven, um, you need uh, it. efforts, you need all of that. But to your point, if, if we fail to see, uh, how failure quote unquote is learning and how, as we try things, it gets us closer to where we want to be. And we punish quote unquote failure, um, as happens in many teams and many organizations, when we find ourselves in that kind of a, an environment, it's not psychologically safe. People don't feel, um, safe or encouraged even to try new things. Um, and it, it really is causes stagnation. It just causes people out of sometimes fear. Sometimes it turns into apathy that people just don't want to, to go out on a limb. Right. Uh, so right. to speak, because, because they're f- afraid of having their head chopped off, you know, for doing exactly. something slightly wrong because something that may be a huge win for the team, for the organization six months from now in the short term in the next month or two looks like a failure. And because of that short term orientation that you were describing, you know, because that's so prevalent in so many companies, it, it just means that you end up going for the low hanging fruit all the time, trying to figure out what's going to make you look good right now, as opposed to what's going to be the sustainable approach. What's going to help you um, drive long-term growth, long-term development of your people, yourself, your people, your team, the products and services that you provide. How do we get back to that, um, that, that mentality we had as
1: kids? Well, it's part of leadership. And I, and I think, unfortunately, the cons- as i get older i'm turning more into a conspiracy theorist like yeah. <laughs> never 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 but now that i've been old enough you know old enough long enough to see big picture for a while now you could part of me the the downside of what i want to say is the cats out of the bag cancel mm. culture like the cats out of the bag the the anonymity of the keyboard there is so much volume and i mean that by um quantity and sound you know voice level against everything that happens that it's very very hard to recapture that that being said within an organization i think you're absolutely able to do it um part of it is you i don't know that you can run your entire department as a free for all right like it has to be mitigated to some extent where do you take your risk right so that there's a certain percentage of what you're doing that is risk adverse and a certain percentage of what you're doing that is risk allowant um as my friend can i just
0: can i just um insert there. That's why we call it falling forward, forward. failing fast, right? <laughs> that, or as my
1: boyfriend not... says, my boyfriend likes to say, you figured out how to fail faster. When do we learn how to fail cheaper? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, but it's got to be built into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, we're not, we're not saying go out and do whatever you want, right. um, you know, at any expense, any cost. Um, but no, it's like iterative learning. Iterative, Iterative learning is experimental, I- experiential, um, and it's experimental. And you, if you iterate rapidly, then the cost is low because you haven't staked everything on this one big right. decision point, right? But and I you, think you, that's
1: what that's what companies have a hard time with. The larger the company, the less flexible they are, so yeah. they cannot maneuver out of a mistake. Because the sunk costs into it
0: <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> are, are just right. You throw good money after bad because the sunk costs are just annihilating. Um but I think you can do that with departments. I, I look back now and I understand, I can completely see the reason I was at my last corporate job as long as I was, was one, I was allowed to be that entrepreneur within this corporation, but also they were phenomenal at, like you said, nobody got beat over the head for making a mistake and can you have that environment but it's going to be very hard for a leader to have that environment within their team if the leadership ahead of them doesn't have it mm. can you be strong enough can you be confident enough um and i guess part of it is can you be confident enough that you know that your place is out there like if you really really want to embrace this concept, the right company is out there for you. And I think that's the other piece of it is people think they have no choices. They have to behave that way in order to keep their job. Okay. Well, but you can also go find a job that is a better fit for you because as many companies as there are out there that are so risk adverse that it's, you know, just demoralizing, you there are also companies that want you to fail forward and will support you and I also think that's why the small business world you know that's where the small business world comes into play
0: certainly and I mean that's what entrepreneurship is right I mean it better be otherwise the chances (laughs) you're going to be sticking around for a while are very very small
1: your brain will explode (laughs) before, before you get a chance
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think all that's super helpful. And as we frame up, you know, I think a lot about design thinking and I think about that iterative learning process Mm -hmm. in in prototyping. It's all about rapid prototyping, (laughs) testing, learning, revising, right? It's all part of the process. And it's the old cliche too about you know Thomas Edison and the light bulb yes. you know i i don't remember exactly how it goes, but something like you failed a thousand times, no, I learned a thousand ways not to build a light bulb um, we've all heard those types of sayings over and over and over again, but it gets really hard where, where now you're in an organization, maybe you're a, a team lead and you want to look good to your boss and you want to, you don't want, you know, you're maybe feeling vulnerable and you don't want to, um, show weakness and you don't want to, to, uh, you know, you don't want to lean into any failure because you want to be seen as competent. And all of these things swirling around each other and the expectations that you have, it just leads to you oftentimes feeling like you got to succeed. It it often leads to leaders, regardless of whatever good intentions they have, putting the screws to their people because they're feeling the pressure from above and they pass it along to their team. And then all of a sudden you you create this environment where I I don't think most people sitting back and looking at this would say, yeah, I want an environment that's not psychological safe, where innovation is stifled, where nobody feels safe to try new things. Nobody's going to say that, yet we see that happen again and again and again in organizations because of the way the systems are set up, because of the way the expectations uh, are are pushed down. Um, How do we disrupt that? How do we shift the the system? Um, and, And in some cases, maybe Uh, tear down the system, redesign the system, create the policies, practices, and procedures that can cultivate the type of culture that's going to actually create the environment for falling forward, failing fast, et cetera.
1: The number one thing is open communication. If you have a conversation about all of the things you just talked about, then the way that I put it when I teach sales in small businesses and for entrepreneurs Don't ignore the elephant in the room, ride the elephant. Ride the elephant, like just call it out. I think a lot of, you know, because I absolutely agree with you. I don't think most people set out to create risk adverse, narrowly defined environments. I've always been of the mind that if I I'm open and honest with the people that I'm talking to. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm worried about. This is what I think can happen. This is what I think also might happen. And then just allow for the dialogue. You're not going to, I can tell, you know, what do I do? Well, I'll tell you what not to do. You're not going to think your way out of this. these These are situations that you can't just think your way out of. You have to act your way out of. Yeah. It, it, you know, and truthfully, from the bottom, bottom, it's not, you know, you don't have enough power, intrinsic power in the entry level positions to do something about this, but the by the time you get to, you know, the way that I climb the corporate ladder over and over and over again is do a good job, do a good job, do a good job, be very responsible, overly responsible, overly involved, get involved, do a good job, and work your way up to the point where you have, as I used to call them, the chips in your pocket,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Like to play a chip, to play a card, to be so valuable to the organization that you now have a chance to say something. Mm-hmm. Like you- If you try to talk about this stuff, you know, unfortunately, if you try to talk about this type of stuff, when you're new, when you're unproven, most of the time it comes off as I don't want to try, right? It comes off, I won't say, you know, maybe lazy or not committing, but if you've worked your way up a bit, absolutely Use use the intrinsic power, if this is important to you and you see the benefit of it, use the intrinsic power that you've cultivated through your career to have the conversation. But what really messes up most people's conversations is their actual intention behind what they're saying. Your intention will mess you up every time. If you don't have the true intention of, wow, I want to create a better environment to allow failing forward to create a percentage of our efforts that are allowed to be messed up in an effort to move us further faster. If instead your intention is that underlying fear, that underlying um, entitlement, that's a really big one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If your underlying intentions don't match what you say you want, it won't work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that social capital piece, the informal power that we bring with us is really important. Now yeah. in an ideal world, I would love for us to have an environment in place already where even the newest person, newest member of the team could come in and notice something and point it out. And we could drive you know healthy, uh, constructive conversations around that thing. Uh, I would love for that to be the case. But I think we all realize that in most organizations, that's not how it works. Like you do have to put the time into building that trust. You can't assume the trust is there. Uh, And so developing that trust over time with people uh, is really important. And it can be frustrating too. Like one thing I've noticed, you know, I'm a university professor. So uh, I do consulting work as well. But at the university, I've been here now for 15 years. I have the track record. I have the relationships with people. But guess what? There's still you know, especially when you talk about upper administration, the executive level teams, those people don't stay like their professors might stick around for a really long time, but other leaders in the institution, there's turnover and those people go off to other places and there's new people. And so the, the, the social capital um, and the, the, the informal kind of power and influence that I've cultivated over years, I can't just assume that's automatically going to apply to this new person who's come in. I have to, do a bit of a reset. And I have to help them to develop that. And that's something where I've made the mistake in the past where thinking, oh, they'll recognize my intentions. They'll recognize um, the contributions I've made over time. They'll understand where I'm coming from. Some will, a lot won't. Um, and so just playing that game and navigating that is going to be really important if you want to create this kind of an environment.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not only is it the intentions. But the ability the ability to communicate with intent and to understand how to communicate with intent. So, for example, even at your level, you've been there for a while, you have a body of work that is supporting your opinions. But if you walk in and try to overhaul the whole thing all at once, throw the baby out with the bathwater, you're going to be met with resistance regardless of whether or not the person you're talking to agrees with some of what you're saying or not. I think humans' brains have an all or nothing preset. (laughs) They really do, right? Human brains have a preset of all or nothing. And we get frustrated when we can't have everything our way instantaneously. Yeah. And so understanding the goal of communication, there's always only one goal. Every communication you have, there's always only one goal. It's the same goal every single time. To invite somebody to take one more step with you. The place where we mess ourselves up is when we try to jump steps. When you try to sell somebody on your entire idea the first time you've met them, you're jumping steps in the relationship building. You're jumping steps in the communication path. That will mess up the outcome that you're trying to achieve it's our impatience it's our all or nothing a lot of times it's actually very um just excitement right it's not all negative it's not done out of maliciousness it's not done with ill intent a lot of times we're just so darn excited about what it is that we're trying to do right that some right. of us with the stronger personalities just run over everybody totally get it been there done that have the teacher right yeah. um <laughs> It's the self-awareness to back it down a notch to say, okay, there's a group of people going back to where I started with everybody is just human, but they're all different from you. Yeah. Right. Can you recognize, I think, you know, if I want to say, what is it that has to happen to allow fail forward? It's going back to teaching soft skills. Right. That's comp- and and these poor kids now who lost what two three years of their development due to COVID. It w- we were already on a path where we had lost teaching the soft skills of communication and leadership and how to do that, and now they just lot have a bigger gap than what our culture was even creating. But the soft skills of how to navigate that without running over people or fear-based or any of the other reasons that derail it, it goes back to rule number one, connect as a human first.
0: Yeah. Aaron, I love it. This has been such a fun conversation. I know at the time, uh, I'm going to have to let you go here in just yeah, yeah. a minute. And unfortunately, we've only scratched the surface. Um, And your latest point about the soft skills, uh, I like to call them durable skills, Mm. Uh, whatever you call them. Yeah, let's 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 use that that
1: word because I hate the word soft skills. I just (laughs) don't know. I just didn't have another word for it. So let's no whatever
0: we call it. I think ultimately what's really important is that we uh, that we help cultivate this human experience with each other at work, at home, in our communities Um, that creates an environment of trust of, of giving people the benefit of the doubt, um, so that we can propel forward. And what a happened constructive to that? Way. Giving
1: people the benefit of the yeah, doubt? How did it,
0: that go? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've become an increasingly, we've been, become an increasingly polarized world. Uh, and, and, uh, I think there's a lot, we can go back to some basics around the the shared humanity that we have. Like you talked about from the very beginning of this conversation today. Well, Aaron, it's been a pleasure. Um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Awesome. Um, we make it real easy to find everything I'm doing. It's conqueryourbusiness.com. Podcast articles, you can connect with me, you can find me. I promise I'm not hiding. But if you just go to conqueryourbusiness.com, <laughs> you can get everything you need. Um, a final, final, final word. And this is really, it's this idea. And it kind of is going to sound when I first say it that I'm going against what I've been saying, but my point of view on the entire universe is that if you don't make decisions for you, people who are not vested in you get to make those decisions. Mm. I call it be in charge, but it's not being charged, right? It's ownership. It's not being charged where I want to tell anybody else what to do. It's absolute masterclass level in personal responsibility and However, coming from the place of humility, what am I doing to add to this situation? And so that would be my invitation. What to take a the hardest conversation you can have, right? An honest conversation with yourself. Where are you adding to the problem instead of adding to the solution? And where can you take ownership and do something differently that creates the outcome you actually want?
0: Yeah, well said. Aaron, it's been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Aaron can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that
1: you have a great week.